Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you're with the Double L team, Lyle and Lawson, filling in for Mon while she is in Africa. And of course, coming up in today's show, we're going to have a radio log coming from Mon who has just spent some time in the bush in some of the most Primitive parts of Africa still in existence, if you want to hear about her experiences and why they actually had to come back early from their trip to the bush, then you need to stay tuned. There are some amazing adventures that Mon is experiencing over there in that country right now. However... That's not the only news that's coming up in today's show, and the reason we know this, of course, this is the delayed broadcast that you're listening to, and if you're listening to the delayed broadcast, then of course you are missing out on the clue, on the on the news, on the weather, on the on the quiz questions, uh, on the free giveaway at the end, and so much more. But anyway, that's okay. We're going to tell you in just a moment how you can listen to the live show. But coming up in today's news, we are going to talk more about big business and how big business is enslaving people in Africa. And also, right here in Australia, you did not know if slavery existed on a large scale in Australia. Well, the answer is that it does, and we're going to be talking about Woolworths in particular. Not only that, we're going to press the vaccine button. This is going to be an interesting discussion. We may have this over the next few days. We'll see how we go and what stories continue to pop up in relationship to vaccines. Of course, coming up in our Encounter with God, we are digging into the subject of the seven trumpets. So we're moving right along through the book of Revelation, digging into the seven trumpets and finding out what these uh, trumpets are all about. One of the more obscure prophecies from Revelation and one where you really do need to have principles of interpretation else you're going to come unstuck. A prophecy on which many people have come unstuck over the years. We're going to find out what does the Bible say on this important subject. Our question of the day, of course, is what does the Bible define love as? You're going to be surprised at the biblical definition for love given in the Scripture. Don't forget, if you would like to flick over to the live show where all the action is, then simply go to faithfm.com.au on your phone and press play. Run that through your Bluetooth, through your car stereo, through uh, your uh, uh, headset, um, however you would like to listen to it. Uh, put it under your earmuffs if you are working in the workshop and play it right there. So many different ways there. You can listen to Faith FM and you can be blessed here every single morning. God bless, guys. Enjoy the rest of the show and enjoy this song. Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love and Dead of night and you tell me That you're pleased and that I'm never alone You're a good, good father It's who you are It's who you are It's who you are And I'm loved by you It's who I am It's who I am 
can hardly speak peace so unexplainable I, I can hardly think as you call Crossing over to Mon in Kenya. Mon, we're great to, it's great to have you on the show today. We weren't expecting to have you on the show today. <laughs> yeah, no, you weren't. <laughs> we thought you were still at the bush. Actually, yeah, we, we, we were. We were. So we were supposed to have um, spent the last few nights uh, way out in our most remote location uh, doing the medical clinic out in the, I guess, the most poverty-stricken areas Um and <laughs> I have to admit that the further away you get from a capital city or even a, a bigger town in Kenya, the more questionable the accommodation gets. And last night was so rough that after the clinic today, instead of just going back there and crashing, we made a unanimous vote that we were just going to get in the van and didn't matter how many hours it takes, we were just going to drive and drive and drive until we got back to our regular hotel in the bigger city. <laughs> <laughs> so this must have been some like, pretty rough accommodation. Yes, I'm talking like no electricity, no power, no lights, no water, no Wi-Fi. <laughs> it was just really awkward. <laughs> oh, goodness. We, we may do for one night, but mercy it, it actually made the uh the medical clinic the next day a lot rougher because you know most of us hadn't slept properly um the beds had like bugs and rocks or something in them some chunky bits in the bed sheets so we weren't we weren't well rested <clears throat> and we could really feel it the next day because you do you do work non-stop and you work quite work quite hard at these clinics and so today was a pretty rough day because we'd had a pretty shocker night the night before so we're all very happy to be back at our regular hotel in the crew <laughs> so, so Mon, you've done a bit of camping in your in your life and you've spent a bit of time in the swag and so forth 
Uh, How would it compare to camping beside the campfire? Yeah, you know, I have to say, I was thinking to myself last night, I'm pretty sure this is the worst place I've ever stayed, ever, ever. (laughs) So considerably worse than your swag then? Way worse. My swag is a lap of luxury after this. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the I guess the uh, the thing that makes it hard to sleep too is when you're unsure about the hygienic conditions of your bed and so forth. Oh, absolutely, it makes your skin crawl, and it just like everything starts to itch, even if it isn't actually itchy. But yeah, I I've been thinking to myself, man, when I get back to Australia. I'm just going to be twice the character I was before because I've been going through so many character-building exercises on this missing trip. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we need to recommend this to our listeners then. If you would like to develop your character, Kenya is the place to go just to get in contact with Kenya Health. They head over there regularly. (laughs) And uh, Mon gives her highest recommendation. Let me let me just temper that by saying that um, the place we were staying at, because you know sometimes they will go back to the same village to to do the the medical clinic, um, you know, once a year or so forth. But but the one we went to um, the last few days was a new location for us, and so they hadn't actually tested the accommodation before. They do try and make it. Um, uh, Muzungu friendly, which is what the Kenyans call us white people. Um, so they do try and sort you out with accommodation so you can actually be well rested. So um, there was a, yeah, quite the decision from management. They probably wouldn't take any more guests back there. So don't stress if you're listening to this thinking to yourself, I'm never going to go on a mission trip. Um, it's going to be <laughs> fine because they won't be going back there. And I think what made a difference is the place that we stayed at was actually a government facility. So it was at a forestry college um, so it was actually a big uh, sort of tertiary education campus that happened to have uh, some lodging on the side run by the government and, uh, as you can imagine, not very well taken care of. Sure, sure. Um, <clears throat> so what about the needs of the people in this area? Did you find it to be different to uh, some of the other locations you'd gone to? Yeah, so not only was it the toughest in terms of sleeping and hygiene, it was also the toughest in terms of just what I saw. These The villages that we went to were by far the um, the poorest that we've been to, and I think they will have been the poorest by the end of this trip. Um, it seems the further you get from the big cities, um, the worse the poverty is. So it, it has been really hard looking at it and watching it and just realising what a position of privilege I come from and that I um, enjoy, that I take for granted, that I indulge in uh, back in Australia, looking at the conditions that these people live in, um, what they think is normal, just driving down the street. You know, people, you know how sometimes when you drive down the street in Australia and there'll be like a ditch where there's like a pipe or something just just going across someone's uh, or underneath someone's driveway. It's in those ditches that these people will wash their clothing and will wash their dishes, will wash their bodies. It's in these ditches full of filth that kids will play. And I've taken pictures of of this of, of kids just playing in the in basically the dump and uh, and these women doing all, every every washing you can imagine in these ditches of of just disgusting, filthy, sludgy water. And um, yeah, it's it's really shocking to look at. It's been it's been really hard. I think because you want to help as much as you can, but even if I gave everything I had, it still wouldn't be enough to fix the problem. It still wouldn't change the fact that I'm Australian, that I have an Australian passport, that I come from Australia, that I will be going back to Australia, that I will probably one day forget this experience. Like it's just, 
there's just a helplessness to it, even as a privileged white person. There's just a helplessness you experience when you look at it. Yeah, yeah. And what about the uh, the medical things that you were taking care of? Medical. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, scarily enough, there's a lot of malaria happening, um, a lot of STDs because they can't provide, um, they can't don't have any sort of protection, don't have any uh, knowledge of how it works. There's a lot of um, communicable diseases, a lot of um, cardiovascular diseases, and uh, and sadly, there's been a, a peak in lifestyle diseases. I actually interviewed the health director um, of the SDA conference in this region, and he said, you know, one of the reasons why lifestyle diseases are on the rise is because big Western, um, you know, multinational corporations are coming in and are advertising to these poverty-stricken Kenyans the same way they advertise to privileged Western civilizations. And these people have, like, they have, you know, they have no knowledge of what a lot of the products that they're being advertised to will do to them. Like, you know, all these flash, fancy alcohol advertisements, you know, for white bread and for soda and just the, the people that I was, um, the team leaders of Kenya Health were telling me how years ago when they first used to start coming, the people drank mostly water, but now like soda, like soft drinks are just, they're prevalent everywhere. And I've noticed that no matter how far we get from the city, no matter how poor the communities are, you can always get a Coca-Cola or even a ginger beer or a Sprite or a Fanta. So those kind of diseases, diabetes, everything is on the rise. Yeah, and I've noticed this in, uh, in in really impoverished places that I've been to myself, um, where there's a, there's somewhat of an attitude that there's an assumption that these are the kind of you know that that white people live off two minute noodles and alcohol, mm. and because white people are always healthy and wealthy, then if they want to be healthy and wealthy, then they're going to live off two minute noodles and alcohol as well. And That's as a it. result, the lifestyle diseases are just horrific. Everybody's, you know, overweight and diabetes and, and, uh, it's just, yeah. And yeah. then they become addicted to, uh, you know, to the soda or the alcohol the or the, the junk mm-hmm. and the rubbish. And, uh, it just, it, it is truly a, um, a, a terrible, terrible situation. Um, very Today quickly, at lunchtime, uh, I observed, so today at lunchtime, I observed people eating what they'd bought for lunch. And literally, Lyle, like, I cannot exaggerate this. I took photos. People would have bread sandwiches, which is basically four slices of white bread held together like a sandwich with absolutely nothing in between and eaten as if it was like, like, like a cheese and lettuce sandwich or something, just four slices of white bread and a Sprite. That was what they had for lunch. And I also just want to do some more finger pointing. Uh, in this region, as we drove home, we drove through about 50 kilometers of tea plantation. So just fields and fields and fields of tea bushes. Um, and this is all owned by that company that I told you about Unilever. It's mm-hmm. the one that has the biggest presence in Kenya. It's not an, it's not a Kenyan company. I think it's an American company and it provides housing for its workers. I'm sure you're, all Australians will remember being in school, being in primary school, learning about England as part of our history, learning about the Industrial Revolution, learning about those poor conditions that the workers were kept in when they worked in the factories. And I remember seeing those pictures of the ye old factory workers' accommodation where they had like those houses that were built for them. That is literally what is still happening in Kenya. So you will see these houses that have been made for the Unilever employees. It's basically just a way of keeping this slave labor going. It's just, it's so horrifying. We pulled over and we took pictures and a Unilever guard came out with a machine gun 
and told us we weren't allowed to take pictures and tried to get us to delete the photos. And I was like, yeah, I know exactly why you want me to delete these photos. You don't want Looney Yule ever getting a bad name. So I'm going to be publishing those pictures as well. So... Yeah, well, of course, it's Valentine's Day here in uh, <clears throat> in Australia today, and that w- there was a news article stating that most of the flowers that will be for sale are coming from Kenya. The what? The what's for sale? Most of the flowers that will be for sale today. Yes, yes, yes. I told you last week we came for the. We we actually went to that district, the flower district, where they were harvesting those flowers, and yeah, they're all here. Um, there's been a couple of vendors on the side of the road selling those flowers. Um, they're way beyond what any normal Kenyan can actually afford to purchase. One of our team members purchased a bunch. Um, they smell beautiful and they look beautiful, but it is heartbreaking to realize that a lot of lives have been ruined because of this. I told you last time that people who work those flower farms get paid $3.50 Australian a day. They work seven days a week and they can only do it for five years because after five years, the pesticides have just ravished their bodies and they're just full of cancer and sickness. And those are the people that we treated last week. We went to that region and had a clinic there. So it is, it's just unbelievably sad that we go to shop at a supermarket in Australia and we buy a bunch of flowers and we don't even think about where it started, where it came from, what the effect is. Bon, you're giving us a very, um, a very stark picture of what it is like in many parts of the world today. Uh, we do need to mm. move on, but thank you so much for joining us again with your radio log. No worries. Great to be on the bench. Goodness me. Sorry. I'm really tired. <laughs> it's been a long drive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have, have a great time over there. I'll talk to you soon. Fantastic, Mon. We'll be back right after this song.
back, guys. That was Anders Venson with I'm at the Saviour here on Faith FM. And we continue the show and with getting to our first clue for the quiz this morning. We were distracted with our uh, Mon Radio Log this morning. And now we go to the first clue for the quiz. Okay. You ready? I am ready. This is who am I quiz. Are you ready to guess who this is? Bring it on. Okay. The first clue is I debated with a group from the synagogue of Freedman. Ooh. I actually would have known this. I actually if if I if I wasn't given the quiz, I, I really loved this story. Ooh. Uh uh-huh. Oh, and he's got it. So no double prizes up for grabs today. Yeah, that one took I I I'd spent a little bit of time thinking about that one. But if you know who debated with the uh the people from the synagogue of Friedman, then give us a call one eight hundred three two four eight four three and you will get a prize. Very good. So, coming up into din- with uh, more uh, serious stories this morning, I guess uh, Mon's stories were fairly serious as well. Yeah. We're talking about slavery, okay, and uh, slavery there in Kenya, which seems to be completely endemic, carried on by big multinational companies. Let's talk about Woolworths. Oh, here we go. Okay, so Woolworths here in Australia. Um, it has more than 50 of its pubs under investigation. You know, Woolworth owns pubs. I didn't know that. It's like, what do Woolworths actually not own? Yeah. You know, is there anything that these guys do not own? I mean, they own our service stations. They own our, our grocery stores. The same they with own, Coles. They're like, yeah, they Coles own everything Coles too. own everything. <laughs> so, you've got big multinational companies here. Um, over more than 50 of their pubs are under investigation. Uh, for giving free drinks to pokey players to keep them playing the pokies. Ooh. So this is basically enslavement. It's highly illegal uh, mm. here in New South Wales. Yep. Uh, because we all know how addictive gambling is mm. at the best of times and to add alcohol into the mix just to keep people drunk so that they'll keep playing. It's just a way of, you know, of really taking somebody who is down and just grinding them into the ground. Mm. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, license and gambling is uh, is collecting records and interviewing staff. Um, and this has actually been taking place now for more than 12 months because there's been a lot of staff coming out and mm. talking about how, you know, Woolsworth and, and, and the managers in these uh, pubs and clubs have been um, training them mm. and requiring them to actually – uh, give out these free drinks to keep the people gambling. And, of course, here in New South Wales, that is a criminal offence. Yeah, wow. Okay, so some of the uh, staff have been talking about how that uh, when they give these drinks out, they're not allowed to run them through the um, the gaming room till they have to take it out and run it through the uh, the main bar. Mm-hmm. And then mark it off as a you know somewhat local person's birthday where they shouted him a drink, you know this mm-hmm. kind of stuff, and and that way they're able to cover it. Uh, but yeah, across Australia, Woolsworths owns more than three hundred pubs and more than twelve thousand pokey machines, which yeah. produce for them one and a half billion dollars worth of profit. Wow. This is just that's insane. That is insane. And basically all this is doing is trading off people's misery. 
Mm. You know, yeah. because those two things, alcohol creates misery, gambling creates misery. You combine both things together and you are just like, okay, how can we how can we make these people as miserable as possible? Mm-hmm. How can we drive up, you know, depression and suicide rates? You know, how can we destroy society and just and just, you know, pull one and a half billion dollars out of it at the same time? Yeah. You know, this is this is disgraceful um, action by Woolsworth. Now, Andrew Wilkie, and I find this interesting because, yeah, I tend to not to disagree with a lot of what Andrew Wilkie has to say, but on this one, I am 100% behind the guy. I'm like, go for it, go hard. Um, he's been shining the light on this for some time now. And um, and he's been documenting how that Woolsworth's, uh, Wool- Woolworth's creates, um, basically spies on its customers. Mm-hmm. It keeps um, tabs on you know everybody that is playing uh, in their poker machines. Keeps records, looks at their gambling habits, and then creates custom strategies based around each one of them to be able to drag them further down into the vortex of destruction that gambling is. Mm. You know, so this is they're actually you know they, they are they are they are you know these are people lay awake at bed at night and try and come up with strategies to how they can destroy you. Yeah, it's you know we talk about slavery overseas. We have slavery here in this country. And it's time that our government stepped in and I just uh, Andrew Wilkie, I'm just I'm just absolutely behind you on this one. This is a battle that he has been fighting for many years and something that I uh, totally support him on. Um and of course due to comments and pressure that uh, he was creating um uh, more than a year ago, it prompted Woolworths to do um, an internal investigation. So when a company does an internal yeah, investigation yeah. on itself, you know how this is going to go, right? Yep. All right, so they do this internal investigation. It took them about a year to pull it all together. And then guess what? What? They refused to hand over the findings, <laughs> citing legal privilege. Classic. Surprise, surprise. Classic. <laughs> Oh, and by yeah. the way, this was, you know, when they first launched this investigation, they made a, a, a big promise. Yes, yes, we're going to uh, hand over all the fightings. Let everybody know what's happening. Yeah, well, that didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, this is just, again, like when any multinational corporation is trying to push any, like, anything when it comes to, to morality, it's like, no, these people are <laughs> companies. They're trying to make money off you. Like like Woolies, for example, they're the fresh food people. They run school programs. They do all these things. That, oh, we, we're, we're for our yeah, communities while simultaneously, like, like helping people destroy their lives with gambling. Like, it's just the you worst know, And you and I ever. can sit back and say, oh, well, you know, um, let these people destroy themselves. That's not a very Christian attitude. No. And the fact is that we pay for them to destroy themselves. The taxpayer pays. They, the taxpayer is picking up the bill. And so, basically, the taxpayer is paying uh, Woolworths to create this vicious cycle of destruction in our mm. communities. And there is just no win here anywhere for anyone. Um, but uh, through Freedom of Information documents, it has come to light that when Woolworths did their internal investigation that they only investigated the senior managers. They never spoke to the staff. Mm. And, of course, the senior manager's like, no, we don't do that. Why would we do that? I mean, what are you going to do if you're a senior manager and you have been involved in criminal activity? Are you going to say, oh, yes, pick me. Send me off to jail. As if. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, why? why is it? That uh, you know, I, I want to know why the uh, you know the, the regulators here in Australia haven't demanded a report um, of mm. this sooner than what they have, and done 
um, s- s- more about it. You know, and of course, if they talk to the staff, they, they they get a very different picture because you know staff right across Australia are talking about it. This is apparently something that takes place on a very common basis. And uh, in the in the report, once it eventually did come out through Freedom of Information, all they got was a summary of the report rather than than the full thing. Um, it was found that they did admit that there were a few venues in Queensland who had done this, of course, in a state where it was not illegal. Yeah. No admission to anything happening in New South Wales. And uh, the Woolworth CEO last August announced that uh, the, the report had been prepared, the internal investigation had taken place, um, and the problem was solved, and it was all over and done and, and This is with. the ultimate, like, sweeping under the rug. Like, this is just the ultimate conspiracy. <laughs> Absolutely. And anybody who can't see this has got the most massive blinkers on yeah. imaginable. Yeah. You know, and of course, these guys, they consistently refuse to speak to the media. They won't speak to us here. They won't come on the mm. radio and defend their position. Not at all. Oh, no. There's, you know, you call them up and you get total stone cold silence. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Woolworths. Press one. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, we will press the measles button, oh, not the measles, but go. the vaccine button very, very quickly here this morning. So measles has just killed more than 70 people in the Philippines. Um, and of course, good. this is a disease that is tr- transmitted by air. They've had more than 4,300 infections, a disease that gives severe diarrhea, pneumonia, blindness, and can cause death. They've had more than 2,000 patients turn up at one hospital in Manila, which has completely clogged mm. the entire system. The Red Cross has had to move in a mobile hospital to deal with the problem, and all as a result of vaccine hesitancy. Now, of course, they released a vaccine for dengue fever in the Philippines a couple of years ago, and it was a total disaster. And so parents stopped vaccinating their children, and this is the result. Wow. Now, you know, this is a subject I am I am no great expert on, but, you know, when you look back through history, it's something we need to think very, very seriously mm. about. But right now we need to move on. Give us a call later in the program if you want to talk more about this subject. Olo.com oh, Come before your throne Just as I'm known I long to know you More and more I hear you knock alone I'll open the door Just to be by you And if I want love I'll come to the cross if I want life, I'll count this life lost Anchor my soul, don't let me drift away And if I want peace, I'll come to the King And if I want release, then you'll have to be Anchor of my soul, don't let me drift away Jesus, I will stay with you Yes, I will stay With you Now that I've begun I build the rays of the sun Live my 
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. Joining me on the phone this morning is one of our monthly regulars, and that is Kent Kingston from Science Magazine, editor of Science Magazine. Kent, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Lyle. It's fantastic to be here. Now, we always look up, look forward to our monthly updates as to what you are getting up to and the stories that you are reporting on in Science Magazine. So uh, what can we expect to be reading about this month? Okay, well, yeah, the, we have the, the first issue for 2019. The, uh, we sort of combine January and February because in, in January we, you know, have holidays and things like that. Um, but yeah, February, the, um, the, the magazine is arriving in, in people's uh, letterboxes this month, which is exciting. Um, also, it's online, which is fantastic. So yeah, signsofthetimes.org.au. Uh, you have all, all of our articles there. We, we're missing a couple of things like recipes and some of the little news grabs and things like that that you'll only get in the magazine. So there, there are, is certainly value in, you know, getting hold of the, the print version. Um, but if you want to get a feel for, you know, what Signs of the Times is, is all about, certainly, you know, jump on the website, signsofthetimes.org.au. Uh, we're tackling some pretty sort of tough topics, um, you know, straight into it for 2019. Mm-hmm. A front cover article is uh, called Bridging the Great Divide. Um, you know, when divorce rips your life apart, there's still hope. So looking at those very real issues that, you know, people uh, are facing, you know, families are, are facing this. How many families in Australia are facing this issue? Look, I don't know the statistics, um, but I certainly know as my kids came through um, through school. I mean, they're they're both finished now, but the the number of their friends who you know either during school time or even from the very beginning, you know, were growing up with one parent or a step parent was you know quite significant. It's it's definitely something that is very much in the range of expected and, and normal these days for for that kind of family structure um, to you know to to, to be a, a part of the way you grow. Up and I know in in my previous experience as a social worker um, that every time you know we were called out to mediate between um, young people and their parents, you know when they're at risk of being kicked out or, or becoming homeless or whatever, it was about nine times out of ten that um, that that family structure was a single parent or a blended family sort of structure um, because I, I think that structure does put a little extra strain on on the family. I mean you know family life sort of very hard already, um, but you add that. That, that issue of you know having to deal with divorce, having to you know deal with a, a new parent um, in the picture. I mean, it's it's unavoidable a, a lot of the time. It's um, you know, completely understandable how families end up there, but it, it does cause stress. So yeah. Um, that we have a psychologist, Deanna Pitchford, who uh, who wrote this article, Bridging the Great Divide, and she actually gives some some good sort of um, common sense and home truths and some hope um, uh, about that particular situation. Yeah, and I think that's the important thing is that, um, you know, while you mentioned, you know, young people becoming homeless and so forth, I think the majority of young people do survive this and they need to recognise that, you know, when the parents' marriage or relationship falls apart that they it's going to be difficult and challenging but they will get through it and they will survive it. Mhm. 
Yeah, we, we, yeah, we're looking at some sort of, uh, I guess, tougher sort of more, I don't know what you call it, more intellectual issues as as well um, in, in this month's magazine. Um, there's one that's called The Catholic Comeback. Um, there's an Australian um, Catholic man, actually an ex-priest himself, who, who wrote uh, a book looking um, at the power of the popes sort of over the centuries, and he actually tracks how the um, in during the French Revolution in like about 1798 um, in, in that sort of period the Pope then was taken prisoner and it seemed like the papacy was over but he actually tracks how ever since then the um, the power of the popes has increased and gone from strength to strength um, which is a really fascinating thing if, if you're a Bible student oh, you, you have, you have so caught my attention with this one Kent you know this one's right I up know. my alley <laughs> I know this is right up your alley you you will love this it's called the Catholic Comeback look and, and, and I know there has been a lot of um, sectarian tension between Catholics and Protestants in, yeah and we in don't want to see that happen um, well, well, well that's right so um, that's not what this is. This is yeah. not Catholic bashing, um, but this is is looking at at the history of of the Christian Church and in, including the the Catholic Church, and uh, and this is coming from a Catholic man himself, like doing his own research and um, and basically saying, hey, you know what? The, the it's it's not about Catholics being bad people or anything. It's about the particular structure of the Church and the way in which the popes, in particular, have managed to centralise powers in. Uh, into their own role and into their own office over those centuries up up to the present day. I mean, he he's actually quite hopeful about Pope Francis that perhaps we'll see a return to the simplicity of the gospel. I mean, you know, would, wouldn't that be fantastic? Yeah, it would um, be. But I just think. Yeah, I, I just think it's yeah. So that is really, really interesting. I, I know you, you could talk forever about that. Um, another really interesting, perhaps more more heavy sort of thinky sort of. Yeah, you um, haven't you haven't topic. held back for uh, January, February here, Kent. This is some... no way, no straight in, straight into it. You know, straight yeah. into it. Yeah, uh, and, and another topic we're looking at is dystopian f- future. I mean, I, I don't know about you. I, I quite enjoy science fiction. It's a real big thing in the young adult um, fiction sort of area. Area. This this whole thing about um, looking at a dystopian fu- future, you know, when when perhaps there's been nuclear war or there's been ecological disaster or there's been some plague that has you know wiped out half of the population or the air is poisonous or the rain is poisonous. I mean, well, the, there's a whole the bunch zo- of these the zombie on apocalypse. On, on, that's right. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole bunch of these on Netflix as well. So this has become a real thing with with young people and a particular form of entertainment. You know, the post-apocalyptic. Um, I wonder sort of why it is. I wonder story. why it is that young people are um, so attracted to that kind of a narrative. Well, that's right. Yeah, and and that's exactly what this article explores. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I think I think a part of it is that you know you. you you look around and you see global warming. You see the threat of nuclear war. You know, like I mean, like right now the um, the the Chinese and the Russians and the, and the Americans are having a, a bit of a, a a barney about nuclear weapons. You know, the, Russia and America used to have a um, a, a treaty for to not um, against nuclear proliferation, but that treaty's actually broken down. So, you know, we see this sort of thing, and young people see this sort of thing. You know, just as they're coming of age and saying, "What sort of world am I?" living in and they look around and they think goodness me this might not last you know very much longer and i guess they so that's why they're attracted to these scenarios with saying okay well let's make sense of this what could happen 
would happen? How would I respond? How would I react? And so I guess it's a sort of a psychological method of sort of stealing yourself to some of these, you know, possibilities that seem really apparent. But but again, um, as is as with the the divorce story, um, this article says, look, there is hope. Uh, when the Bible is there, it tells us what the future is. It tells us that yeah, there there are some tough times coming, but it tells us that God is in control, and um, this sort of dystopian future is is not something that that we, in the end that that we have to um, that we have to worry about. You know, there are real problems that need our attention right now sure, here, yeah. here on planet Earth. Um, but but we do have hope for the future. Um, I, I love that that old um, uh, Christian cliche. Um, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, and I think that's one of the big differences between uh, Christianity and particularly you know the study of you know some of the apocalyptic books of the Bible like Daniel and Revelation and so forth mm-hmm. is b- yeah. those compared to a lot of other futurists who are you know predicting where the world is heading and what what the future holds and it's mm. outside of christianity it's it's almost universally doom you know the yeah. world's going to op- yeah. overpopulate it's going to run out of oil it's going to wipe itself out with a with a virus or a or a, or a plague or a uh, or a, or a war or yeah. something or other and you yep. sort of you, you know you look at how populations within the natural world will you know they will grow too big and then they'll self-correct and so you you know looking at looking at nature you would have to say that humanity sometime in the next hundred years or so has to self-correct and yet the bible comes along and the bible presents a very different narrative and says no there's hope for the future um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Actually, we we have an article coming up about population because I, I, you probably remember a couple of decades ago we used to see these these graphs that showed this exponential population growth. Um, you know, since the you know in, in the last few centuries, and saying where is this going to end? Well, it actually is starting to taper off already, and there are people saying, you know what, by the middle of this um, the, this century that we're in, it may actually start um, declining slightly. So that's that, that is is interesting that the population thing. Um, look, just we do have some lighter topics as well, though. Uh, I have to say, while um, although this this one, look, this one's easier reading, but I guess it's not a light, lighter topic. We we have a Q and A Q&A interview um, with a, a woman uh, from the states who was actually a, a pornography actor for for quite a few few years. Uh, Brittany uh, was, was her name, um, Dila Mora, and um, yeah, she talks about her experience and how she actually came to faith in, in Jesus while she was in the middle of, of that experience and I guess what her faith now teaches her about relationships and sexuality and um, and all that sort of stuff, that is a fascinating article. Um, and we also have a story from someone that uh, you and I know very well and that is one Miss Monica Galash who, um, oh, yeah, who tells go. an incredible... I know, Monica, I know. Who, who, who tells this incredible... She can, she can write as well as talk. Look, it's a really good article. Um, she actually writes a story about how she um, made this cake that didn't quite work out, um, but then it did. Uh, I, I won't say any more than that. I mean, if you listen out to the podcast, um, the, the first uh, podcast for, for February, it'll be on Faith FM. We actually interview Monica at length about that, so you'll be able to hear the story. But So yeah, hear the story on the podcast and, uh, and read the article in Signs of the Times magazine. 
Fantastic. Well, and, and, and Monica, of course, is in Africa at the moment. We're getting uh, daily updates from uh, from her adventures over there, which is... Um, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she was actually, we, we, we talked to her just before she packed and left. <laughs> she, was telling me, she was telling me how nerve-wracking it was to be on radio, and I'm like, what do you mean nerve-wracking to be on radio? And she's like, well, I was on the other end. I was, I was the one who was getting asked the questions rather than asking the questions. <laughs> this is what you do every day. You're on radio. That's right. I'm, I'm sure it was healthy for her. It's, it's, it's like those doctors, you know, who they, they sent to hospital and put them in those terrible hospital gowns that open at the back and put them through a battery of tests and say, see how you like it. Maybe this will give you a bit of sympathy. <laughs> so, um, so, so how do we, how do we, remind us again how we can go and listen to Monica's podcast. Okay, well, if you um, well, you can just keep listening out to Faith FM because it, um, our podcast plays uh, every week. I think about four about four times at different times, so uh-huh. you have to you know, check your schedule for that. Um, but if you want to check it out on demand, um, you can visit our website signsofthetimes.org.au and just click the podcast link there. Um, the podcast is also, if you're already a big podcast listener, we're on SoundCloud, we're on iTunes, we're on uh, Stitcher, we're on TuneIn, I think, which is, all, Faith FM's also on TuneIn, isn't it? Mm-hmm, right. So, um, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we're, we're on all those, all those forums and formats, um, so yeah, you can check out the, the podcast in any of those ways, but I think we really want to encourage people to check out our website, you know, signsofthetimes.org.au, because not only can you listen to the podcast, you can read all the articles, and you can actually subscribe to the magazine uh, yourself to receive it for you and a friend. I mean, if, if you love it, you say, wow, this is good, this has got great positive messages in it, you know someone who's sort of looking for answers in terms of their life, in terms of their spirituality, Signs of the Times is totally the magazine for them, so yeah, we very much encourage people to subscribe it's only 26 bucks for a whole year supply like you know a monthly magazine for a whole year yeah that's so ridiculous 26 bucks, it's 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 a steal really so mm-hmm. it's very easy just to subscribe to two you know one for you one for a friend um and you can also donate to us there we have a bunch of different projects where we um, have bulk uh, amounts of those magazines you know going out to to various projects Fantastic, Ken. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us a uh, teaser on the January-February edition of Signs of the Times. I can't wait to get hold of my copy. And, of course, uh, signsofthetimes.com.au is where you need to go to either subscribe or read some of the articles online. Of course, uh, as Kent Kent mentioned, if you want to get everything, you need to get the magazine. Um, Grab one for yourself. Grab one for somebody else. Um, Great opportunity right there. Kent, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Lyle. God bless. That was Ken Kingston from editor of Signs of the Times magazine. Uh, We're going to be back after this song break, followed by the 8 o'clock news, and then we'll be back with Encounter with God. You're listening to Faith FM.
is a free community craft program for kids aged 1 to 5 designed to encourage growth and creativity through Bible stories. Join us each Tuesday during the school term from 9.30 till 11am at the Senior Citizens Hall, 401 Warburton Highway, Wandon North. For more information or to register, go to happyhandsart.com.au forward slash happyhearts or contact Patricia on 0425 854 516. That's 0425 854 516. Happy Hearts. Free fun for kids and the mess stays with us. to Faith FM, positively different radio.